Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me this uh, evening. I have a friend who is coming on to join me today, and we've done panels together before, I've been on his show before. Somehow he's never been on my show, and I'm not exactly sure how that happened. Uh, but in any case, he's one of a very small handful of people on YouTube who I profoundly respect. He's one of very few who spoke against the COVID hysteria and the crackdown upon people's freedoms at the very beginning when it wasn't politically expedient to do so. That's one of the ways in which he stood out. He also stands out in talking about uh, culture and its importance over just raw politics. But in any case, welcome to the show, Frank from the Let's Be Frank show. How are you doing? Hey, thank you for having me, Sarah. Long time coming for sure. I've been ex I was real excited when you uh, reached out to me this week uh, to uh, appear on the uh, on your show tonight. So thank you for the invitation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, since this is actually somehow your first time on the show, why don't you go ahead and tell my viewers who you are? Because, you, you know, it, it's it's long past time. Yeah, absolutely. Love to. And many people over on the Internet knows me as Lord Moon, Dr. Field General Frank. That's right. That's my moniker I have here online. You, it started off with just Frank and I just kept, continued to add titles to it. Uh, and so now I'm officially royalty. I am Lord Moon, Dr. Field General Frank. But besides that, you guys can find me over on my channel, Let's Be Frank, and where I talk politics uh, seven days a week. We do three live streams a week, which are called the Freedom Streams. And of course, what I'm very proud of is the Bible studies we do over on that on that channel, where we do our daily prayer meetings weekdays, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. I encourage you to come over if that's something you're interested in. We do we sing praises. We have scripture reading where we dive in and we break down scripture. And then we have a time for prayer where the community has an opportunity to open up and have requests. And I pray over them as a community together. So I encourage you, if that's something you are, uh, that's something that you're searching for on, this, on the internet, you know, come on by. If it's for you, stick around. I would love to have you guys over with me. So that's a little bit about me. I, I operate all over the internet, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, uh, and of course, Odyssey. And uh, I also have a second channel, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later here, which is called Uniquely Us, uh, that I run with my wife. So, All right. Well, thank you. Um, I want to start out by saying there's obviously a lot of disarray um, in the United States right now and also throughout the West. But do you think that we can use the voting system to fix it? Because I think that that's... That's where a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, and especially Republicans, are pushing. Like, we can fix everything in the next election. We're, we're one election away from fixing our problems. Do you think that's true? I don't think we're one election away from fixing our problems. I certainly don't want to give up on our voting systems that we do have. But there is a lot of structural needs that need to be reinforced uh, within the voting systems because we're seeing a lot of areas where we saw the vulnerabilities of it in 2020 and how many states and and uh, election activists took advantage of those loopholes and those uh, soft regulations where they were able to implement you know mass mail out voting and stuff like that where maybe the state had never done that before and so it, it really changed the dynamics playing field in in 2020 we saw the dry run happen in 2018 in places like california for example in orange county which primarily read area in California where they lost massive amounts of house seats in that because of the mass mail-out voting, but also along with the ballot harvesting that went along with that. Uh, so there was a lot of areas that was ripe for fraud. And what Republicans need to run on is definitely at the state level. You need to focus on the state level. I know Rob yes. Doerr is, is, uh, is notorious for talking about local politics, but it's true. 
you aren't going to fix voting systems at the federal level. It has to be fixed through the state level. We've been seeing that some states have taken steps to really address some of those issues. And they've been met with, obviously, the screeching from the left-hand side of the aisle that you're Jim Crow 2 or whatever they want to name it. Uh, It's all ridiculous because most people in this country have the ability to access ID. Uh, You need ID to function in almost every aspect of society um, if you're going to. Increasingly, you'll need it to get into a grocery store, you know, with your your vaccine status on it. Yeah, Yeah, for real. So, (laughs) I mean, so yeah, I, I do believe it is repairable, but it has to be, it has to come from the state level. And then when you're vetting your representatives that are going to the federal level, you have to ensure that they aren't going to allow something like the H.R. 1 that was trying to be pushed down uh, through Congress. And thankfully, it's been blocked as of right now. Right. And, and just, just to, to remind people what H.R. 1 was, right, that was that was the bill that was supposedly going to fix our elections, a while the fact that we don't have any problems with our elections, the Democrats were saying, right? And that was what mm-hmm. they were saying, that they build this as a fix for our elections. And at the same time, they want to eliminate voter ID and take control and federalize the entire election system to take power away from the states. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad that, you know, we had, uh, you know, a Joe Manchin. But, you know, why do we have to rely on Joe Manchin to make sure we did that? It, it just it makes clear to me that we have a constant um, a constant power grab. Every time Democrats come in, they shove that line a little bit further. Right. They didn't get it this time, Sarah. But yeah. I tell you what, next time they get control, if Republicans are able to actually withstand and actually push stuff back, yeah. we are going to see them grab it the next time. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, I will say to the to the chatters who are wondering, yes, we do see this, we do see your chats at the same time as doing this, and we'll, we'll kind of be intermittently paying attention uh, to them and having this conversation. But I will I will agree that I think that the the solution happens on a local level and perhaps not just politically either. Like I think that what we have right now is a system in which. People are paying a lot of attention to voting and especially federal voting, where there's sort of like the least amount of power to the individual and not so much attention to very local politics. Yes, there's the state, but also, you know, in your county and in your city. And you can actually make these small changes that can affect yourself and your your kids and so on. And to, to affect the political class, I think that we have to institute cultural changes that are which includes sort of getting to know our own neighbors and the people with whom we surround ourselves. And that's kind of a defense mechanism against some of the more tyrannical policies and just the, well, woke, for want of a better word, uh, policies that you might see, say, in the school systems and that kind of thing. No, yeah, for sure. And, you know, a lot of this, um, a great amount of focus was put on during the election in Virginia was the was the schools, was the school districts, the school boards, and the things that they were pushing through the school levels. I mean, if we're that concerned with political stuff, I mean, federal level isn't going to fix your school board. Right. Your school board has to be fixed by you. And if you're not paying attention to who's getting on the school board, I mean, they're Obviously, this should have been a red flag uh, for the last couple of years when we've been able to shine a light on the school system. I'm I'm of the thinking and I've been pretty vocal about this on my social media accounts for people that follow me. I've even mentioned this on my live streams. I'm good for abolishing the entire school system, firing all the teachers. I don't care if they're good teachers or not, because the good teachers obviously doesn't stand up to the uh, to the ones that are pushing, you know, these ideologies onto students where math, reading, writing take a back seat to social engineering. Right, exactly. And, and shaming kids for being the wrong race and that kind of thing and, and teaching mm-hmm. them that 
a, a false history. Uh, yeah, you know, so it, go ahead. So it shows you that you know there is a there is a appetite for the American people for running on those types of topics, and even though the GOP will not embrace those topics, the GOP is not um, is not interested in pushing the values of conservatism. Even though I don't believe that the governor of of uh, uh, Glenn Youngkin is a true conservative, he ran on a very conservative base as far right. as taking care of small issues along for his state, and which is a little easier to do when you're running for a state level office to focus even harder on those issues. Mm -hmm. But if you make that your platform as a national level, hey, we're going to go after the Department of Education. We're going to take on these uh, school, the school board associations. We're going to take on these things that matter to you that will directly impact you. I think voters will respond positively to that. I think so. And I think that we're, we're beginning to see that. And I think we're beginning to see more sort of on the ground activism as well. But you mentioned an important point, which is the sort of disparity that you have between just Republican versus conservative. And they're used so interchangeably. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's accurate, at least that, you know, you look at most and I will say most like federal level Republican um, politicians and you don't see people who embrace conservative values. And mm -hmm. that's the problem. It's like we use this term conservative and it's like, well, what are they conserving? Because that's what it's supposed to be a reference to, right? Is the, right. the conservation of the, the values, the Christian values rather, upon which our nation was built and upon which the West was built that we used to call Christendom and no longer do because everyone's confused about, what, about where these values came from, right? But you've got all these different Republican politicians who aren't really sure where they stand on, on things like you know, trans issues, they're unwilling to talk on things like gay marriage, they're unwilling to talk on things like abortion, they're unwilling to talk on anything of actual values because they're more interested in talking about financial topics because nobody gets upset at that point. And that's what it seems like. If, they, if they're going to face any sort of pushback from the left, then they prefer not to even broach that topic. Yeah, you'll, you, you've probably heard the term, Sarah, I'm sure many of our viewers have heard the term, uh, financially conservative, right, or fiscally right. conservative. And that's their escape that, you know, we're conservative physically and we're not really going to touch the social stuff because that social stuff belongs to the Democrats. We don't want to we don't want to touch on those issues. I don't find my, I don't consider myself a national Republican at all. And I don't fit in the Republican Party because my views are not of the Republican Party. I'm much further, I guess, I guess I'm much further correct. I don't want to say right. I'm correct. Uh, than the Republican Party is because the Republican Party right now is in the wrong. You're basically getting Democrat light in the uh, in the Republican Party. Right. The, the modern the day the modern day Republicans are where the Democrats were 20 years ago. It's like, well, okay, but what about the conservatism of 20 years ago? What happened to it? Because I'd like to kind of defend some of those values that back then we agreed were worth you know fighting for, and that's why nowadays I don't refer to myself as a conservative because I'm like people are going to think that I'm one of these Republicans. And instead, I use the phrase traditionalist because I think it more, you know, em embodies the value structure that I'm trying to get back. And, and it's really mm -hmm. a shame that we've kind of lost the word to some degree. Yeah. And so what I've been just starting to kind of, uh, you know, refer to myself as just a Christian. I'm a Christian. And I'm going to vote the way to, you know, nice. uh, my values are rooted in, in the word of God. So, right. I mean, if if a political candidate lines up with the view, you know, the the values and God, he's, he's against abortion. He's against, you know, transgenderism. He is against, you know, things like gay marriage and stuff like that. Then I'm going to listen. I'm going to see what he has to say, but uh, definitely, you know, you definitely got to hold these people to the fire, no matter what they present their platform is going to be, because we see how easy they are corrupted once they get in there. And one of the famous people I like to 
uh, single out sometimes is my state set or my uh, senator here from from Florida, Marco Rubio. He came in in 2010 with a Tea Party wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you remember the Tea Party, how uh, anti everything they were as far as that, you know, the anti-establishment almost. Right. Yep. It was like the pre-Trump to Trump. And and Marco Rubio, as soon as he was in, in, in the Senate, within about six months, he was co-opted by uh, Lindsey Graham and John McCain. Yep. And he joined that caucus and he was with them. He was uh, pushing uh, uh, amnesty already within six months of, of being in the Senate. I was like, well, I didn't vote for that. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, and nobody did because he didn't run on that. Right. You know, and, and they never do, you know, <laughs> they never do. And so it's when they get in, then you're like, you, you see the sort of swamp rats that they surround themselves with. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you now kind of just identify yourself as Christian, and I, I can certainly respect that. I kind of think it segues into something else that I want to talk about. I think there's a connection between our society becoming more secular and it being less respectful of people's rights and their own human autonomy. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are there. Um, my thoughts on on as far as... So here's the, here's the thing. I kind of think that uh, as a Christian, I feel like each individual is made in the image and likeness of God, that he isn't owned by anyone, right? And that's his kind of soul. His soul responsibility is is before God ultimately. And because his body was made that way, then he shouldn't be, say, forced to take a medical treatment by a government, for example. And there's certain, when we look at, say, our constitution, you have this this... Uh, the phraseology of God-given rights. Of course, it doesn't come from the Constitution, but you know that, that was actually specified in the Constitution. And I think that this entire mantra of seeing ourselves as you know responsible to God and not to government, I think as as we become more secular, we move away from the idea of God-given rights, and instead we end up with you know government privileges, government-given privileges. And I think we kind of see some of that happening in our society now. And you look around at what happened in in the COVID era, you know leaving the virus, you know, aside, but you look at the government policies and the way so many people accepted it. I think the fact that we're moving more secular is one of the reasons why people were so willing to accept so much. Yeah. And, and I agree, uh, to an extent with, uh, that sentiment I've been actually, uh, you know, I've been diving deep into the word, uh, over the last, you know, six months. I, I recently, you know, just a couple of years ago, I was, you know, I, I gave my life to Christ. So I, I was, you know, real new to the walk and I've been hungry for the word and I've been I've been uh, learning more and more. I've been interested in learning even more and the more and more I learn uh, just things that I used to think I believed don't really line up with what God's word says. And it's really interesting you bring that up, because if we look, you know, in, in, in scripture, you know, we well, let me let me put it this way. And the culture that we've come up in in the United States, we we were born out of a culture of rebellion, right? We rebelled against the crown of, of, of England, and we set up our own government here in the United States. And that's been kind of ingrained in our in our uh, culture here in the United States. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to listen to anybody because we're Americans, and that's right. how it's going to go. We're we're going to want to be the one to dictate things um, as things go. So you know, as I started you know, down this road is, is looking at scripture and looking at things. And, you know, I start to uh, ponder, you know, what is God's sovereignty over all of these things? And of course, God's sovereign over all, right? He's the one that appoints kings and, and rulers of the land. And when you start looking at that and, and you say, where is there anywhere in scripture that tells me that I have the right to rebel against my government? 
And the only places you can find that is if the government uh, in, um, interferes in your worship with God, anything that prohibits you from worshiping God. And, and a, great, a great book to look at that is, of course, um, uh, Daniel, uh, where Daniel, you know, uh, Israel had been, the southern uh, tribes of Israel had been exiled into uh, uh, Babylon, right? Babylon, mm -hmm. I believe. And King Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar, I uh, had him, you know, in prison, and they were passing some of these uh, laws. Like one was, they weren't allowed to pray. So what did Daniel do? He went up and he prayed with the windows wide open inside his house to all they could see. You know, that was his protest to it. And not to overthrow the government, but on that singular issue. And then the other one was when they erected the image and they told him they all had to bow down to it. And Daniel, you know, the um, the other three, Rack, uh, Meshach, Abednego, and uh, man, uh, the other one, uh, all three of them, they, they didn't, you know, and they get, were thrown into the furnace. Obviously, they were saved out by God because they obeyed God over that. And then, you know, they repelled that law afterwards. Um, and it, it when you look at it, you're like, OK, so if even though they were exiled into this and God didn't tell them to rebel, because even in scriptures uh, prior to that, before as they were exiled out, God had told the prophets, you know, telling the children of Israel, hey, Settle down. You're going to be there for a while. You know, you're going to be there for a while. You know, so continue to you know live in the land, multiply, et cetera, et cetera. We're told to live in these lands that we are in, unless the government is actually preventing us from which worshiping the God. Which the government did which during was, COVID. They did do um, with the shutting down of churches. And we should, yes. more Christians should have stood up. And I was very disappointed of Christians not standing up. And, and demanding and, and just going to church regardless. Yes. And the other one is, of course, the battle with the abortion issue yes. is um, another one that we should. And then, of course, you know, transgenderism and, and things like this that are goes against God's will. Uh, but as far as, you know, overthrowing governments and stuff like that, you know, there's yeah, this isn't me calling for revolution on air, just so you know. <laughs> no, no, I, I know. Uh, but there is no there is no. Um, direct path for us in in scripture. So I, I can I continue to look and, you know, my views go against the word of God. When I look at him, like, oh my gosh, I'm in the wrong in some of this stuff. You know, I've been, so I've been really struggling in my, in my uh, application of things that, you know, I have once I thought I was really gun ho for Then I start reading scripture. We dive deep into scripture and we read it. We use scripture to, to interpret scripture. I'm like, man, I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know about my uh, feelings on that. And, and, but that's what the Bible is supposed to do. It's supposed to reveal to us, you know, the, the actual truth. And the only truth is the real truth is God. Right. God's truth. All so right. all that to say this, <laughs> sorry, okay. all this to say this is that, you know, there are, there is a time for us to stand up and, yep. and to demand the government stop doing something. Uh, but for us, uh, uh, for Christians overall, you know, we just have to be careful. And I say this a lot over on my channel. We just have to be careful people that are invoking uh, scripture to advocate for things that go against scripture. You know, we get easily well, caught I, up. I agree that there is an area um, that requires some, right some, some, some degree of, of calmness, for sure. I also think that there is a time for a just war. This is not me calling for a revolution on air. I'm just okay. saying that quite in the most literal sense. Um, yeah. that, you know, without the the First Crusade, we wouldn't have a Christendom today, you know, and that, that's important to, to sort of bear in mind. Of course, for anybody who doesn't know, that the Crusade occurred, the First Crusade occurred after, I think it was either 
I think it was like 400 years of, of Muslim oppression as they were kind of coming in. The, the Crusades were a retaliatory action. And some people I have only like heard about the Crusades as just evil Christians, you know. So hence my quick clarification now. Maybe we'll do a more detailed dive someday. But in any case, you, you have a second uh, channel too on both Odyssey and on YouTube called Uniquely Us, right? So yeah. why did you decide to start that? That's, that's you and your wife, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. My wife and I, we decided to start a second channel, and it was uh, basically it was uh, for her to, you know, um, it was originally designed for her, and she wanted to do YouTube. I said, okay, we'll we'll go ahead and do it. I'll help you out with it. So we'll come up with a name together and stuff like that. And and we came up with uniquely us because you know we're just a unique family, just like every family out there is very unique in their own ways. Um, and you know, our our goal was to show what real families, you know struggles are sometimes the good and bad you know you turn the camera on and a lot of times you have a perfect set right right it's a perfect set well over on uniquely us you're inside our house which isn't always picked up you know sometimes we have dishes that need to be washed and stuff and, and things like that so we bring you into our home and we bring you on to our you know adventures if we go out as a family if we uh if we go somewhere we we tend to bring the uh, audience along with us by by filming this but it's showing the other side of, of family values and how important it is to uh, uh, how important that nuclear family is. And, you know, having the father, having a mother, and, and of course, you know, the children that go along with that and how those dynamics all uh, work around each other. And we try to bring that type of content to this platform, which is severely lacking. Um, and then, you know, we entered, we, we, we uh, hopefully, you know, Christ shines through us as we're, as we're doing that. And if, if it's not, then we're not doing something, uh, we're not doing something right then. Uh, but we, we like to, you know, my wife likes to do the cooking stuff and she does, you know, recipes. She shows people how to make cookies and these kind of things. And I, she's actually opened up way more now that she's been on camera a lot more times. And we'll visit theme parks from time to time and we'll go, you know, we'll take the audience to the theme parks with us and we'll show them, you know, the roller coasters and, and stuff like that, which, you know, could be fun if you're here, if you like doing roller coasters. Right. Uh, but it's, it's something that we, we thought, we could uh, we could introduce into the uh, onto the uh, these platforms that are that you could sit down and watch with your family or anybody could watch and, and not uh, and and be able to take something from it. I, th I think that there is a, a real benefit to the fact that you're putting out content, if we're going to call it that. But you're putting out videos that are kind of wholesome, you know, and that kind of display what, frankly, a family should be. And I think there's there's a real value in that because what you generally see on YouTube nowadays is like some degenerate crap or you see somebody, you know, screaming or being angry and you see a lot of politics and that's just really negative in general. Like, I mean, even if you try to be uplifting about it and you try to, you know, be incredibly sarcastic like some of us and all of that, it still is negative. It shows a pretty dark direction if you really look um, closely. And so I think there's kind of value in... Uh, looking at something that isn't that isn't so dark and that kind of demonstrates to people that there's there's something that matters out there, and I think we kind of need more of that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's you know I love that channel because you know we don't interject politics you know as per se like I would do over on my main channel you know where I just talk about issues of the day. I, we we tend not to do that. Sometimes the polit uh, anything could be polit political. I mean, if you're going to view, I mean, love to see politics and everything, um, but. You know, we we tend, but when we're when we're telling you what's happening in real life, like my wife was facing actually being fired from her job because she refused to take the jab. 
and she wasn't going to do it. So obviously that kind of uh, uh, crossed those lines together, right? Yeah. We had to talk about the impacts of that. We were prepared for her to be fired. And we were in, we're trusting in God's hands and what was going to happen, you know. Uh, we saw as a blessing, I was like, well, if, if we had just monetized the Uniquely Us channel and she was facing termination within that same time period. And I said, maybe this is God's way of preparing us for your eventual termination by giving us this uh, channel for us to continue to grow. And, and then, you know, um, about two weeks later, the HR department, the president of the hospital uh, hospital chain that she works for, actually met with every individual nurse and doctors and stuff like that and handed them uh, exemption forms and told them exactly what to put on those exemption forms so they would not, so they could be accepted, so they would be able to uh, continue to have their job and not have to take the vax. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, well, it was a blessing well, in itself. I'm really glad um, that, that it worked out. So thanks be to God to that. And I know that you and her both were, were willing to really go the distance for, for your beliefs and your values. And it's really impressive because I know that's a, that's a position and that's an industry. It's not like something you can just, you know, suddenly go, oh, okay, so I'm going to be a nurse today. You know, that, that takes a, a, an investment of many different types all at once. So, I mean, it's an incredible uh, credit to you and to her that you were willing to, to, to really do that. All right, let's go ahead and move on a bit because I do want to talk... Um, Right now, we're, we're supposedly in Women's History Month, right? I mean, it's, it's constantly like some month. Um, it's, it's ridiculous in one of a dozen ways. And I can't go to the grocery store now. The local grocery store, to me, uh, I walked in and they have these balloons, literal balloons that says, welcome women. I've never felt so insulted in my life than when I entered this grocery store and they have these little children's balloons. And I'm like, why is this, you know? Like, how old are women, you know? They never grow. But anyway, they've got the Women's Month. And then there's the Pride Month, of course, the most like degenerate month. And then there's the Black History Month. And I was kind of thinking about this. And it seems like really what we're trying to do while society is being divided is sort of find replacements to a lack of common bond that we once had. Because mm -hmm. if you look at like modern America, all you see is division and groups. And there are a lot of people, right, that that are promoting this. There are a lot of groups, and especially in the left, they really are big on dividing people into victimhood classes. But now you look, and, uh, and what I'm kind of wondering is if there's these attempts to, to create a, a common thread amongst people, to create some sort of uh, replacement. I don't think it's working, but I, I do wonder if that's sort of some people's intent here. No, I, I definitely think that. I mean, you look at it, um, you look at it all across the spectrum of what we have to uh, have to view and 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 intake, you know, you can't escape it if you're on any type of television, uh, social media. It's all over the place. I mean, you look at television shows, you look at the movies. They replace, you know, white characters with black characters, and which is which is fine, I guess. But if you're like trying to tell a historic narrative, yes. um, for example, like I believe they they there's a series on HBO. It's about. Um, uh, Another did Anne Boleyn. They made uh, Anne Boleyn black. Yeah, Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Thank you, Anne Boleyn. She's black. Yeah. Historically, Anne Boleyn was not black. <laughs> she was white. And, and you and you ask yourself, and I hate the whataboutism, but it, it tends to come up. You yeah. know, if you were to take a a, a black uh, historical figure and race swapped them for a uh, well, for a, I actually for I have a, I have a, or something like that. Well, well Frank, how would they uh, uh, react to it? And we know the the outrage that would come from that. And it unfortunately it's been too uh, it's been allowed to be accepted too much we've allowed we 
with no pushback because they've been when I say they, the the activists and these people that want to continue to push this division have been successful in shutting down dissent by using, you know, um, buzzwords such as racism or racist, bigot, misogynist, uh, you know, ist, one right. of the ist out there to shut down dissent. And in doing so, you know, we've been beaten back so much. We just like whatever. You know, and it just allows to continue to continue. And this is, you know, stems back to the gay marriage mm. back in, what was it, 2010, 2012, when right. gay marriage uh, was officially recognized by the United States as, as law mm-hmm. of the land, uh, where the advocates uh, leading up to that said, oh, no, uh, it, all we want to do is get married because love is love, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and many people on the right, you know, a lot of Christian uh, leaders at the time who were boisterous at the at the time that refused to be silent on it, said this is a slippery slope that we're about to, we're about to open Pandora's box because if we can redefine marriage, we can redefine anything. And that's what they were saying. And they had to use the court system in order to pass this thing, which was widely rejected by many states in America. Even California, one of the most liberal states in the union, rejected gay marriage. Yes. And, and, they, a, and interestingly enough, they rejected gay marriage because of the black and Hispanic votes. Uh, yes. That, 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 that's what did it. But yeah, I was thinking about uh, creating a Martin Luther King documentary with like Liam Neeson as, you know, the, the primary actor. You know, oh, you know, Martin Luther you King. know what, if you really want to trigger him, you have uh, Nick Fuentes star as uh, Martin Luther King. <laughs> and you're like, what? You know, we're just we're just being creative. We're being progressive. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're, you know, we're just race blind here. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, exactly. But when it, when it comes to, to gay marriage, I mean, that, that's an issue that so many people don't want to touch now. But it's like, with it, we, we did so much. I mean, seriously, like, culture was changed. Nowadays, most people will say they simply don't care about marriage or they're in favor of, of gay marriage because it's an issue that conservatives have sort of conceded. I don't think we should. I think it's important. I think it matters. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is, it, yes, it's a holy institution that was between man, woman, and God, of course. But also, this is like, what a marriage is has been defined in our language, right? And we just decided that on the edict of the Supreme Court, we would redefine what the word actually meant. And it would be sort of immutable in a sense, right? Because the, the Supreme Court has said so, and therefore the states have no right. Because that's what it, was, what it was all about. For the left, who says that, you know, they care so much about democracy. They obviously didn't because they wanted to get rid of the individual rights of every state. They wanted to get rid of the individual voting uh, decisions of any individual, right? That was what it's all about. Like, let's, let's entirely get rid of any democratic system whatsoever, you know, in the United States. Yes, I know we're a republic, but you got rid of the de- democratic element to it and said, you know what, let's just make the Supreme Court into the little dictators of our own vision and and we'll fix it that way. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. just so incredibly ironic that they're all like democracy in this, except for on any any issue, you know, that they want passed. So if it's abortion, they're like, we see abortion in the Bill of Rights. It's not that. Yeah, you can go and look. It's not that. But they're like, we see it, so you can't change it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the, since you were mentioning this, the, the Supreme Court nominee, right, that's being put forward, uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, right? She was chosen because she She has was- a name? I thought she was just a black woman. I, I didn't know she had a name. <laughs> no, exactly. That's the thing. And it's like, I went and looked over at the Supreme Court blog that announced this. And they're like, this is, this is Biden following up on his, on his campaign promise 
to put a, a black woman forth. And I'm like, who cares that it was a campaign promise? It's a messed up promise. You know, if Donald Trump said, I'm going to like put a white man in this position, and then nobody would applaud and say, well, great, Lucy followed through on that promise, you know, because I, I had a white guy in mind. I mean, but more than that, it's like the effect that it has, I think, on those very groups to hire them in that sort of a way. Like, nobody trusts their judgment. For example, obviously, I'm female. And despite that, there's a part of me that says, well, if I needed a doctor for a complex problem, and I know that they had like affirmative action hiring practices and also in the colleges and everything. Well, and all I could choose was based upon race and gender. Well, who should I choose? Who would be most competent, just pure reason, no emotionalism and just ignoring everything, but you know, just, just the facts here. Well, the Asian male, that's who I should choose because the Asian guy, straight guy, you know, is the guy who had to fight the hardest to get that into that position. Right? And it doesn't matter, like, I'm a woman, I'm not saying that there aren't intellectual women, I'm saying that I know that that particular guy, um, the Asian dude, yeah, he's well above, he fought really hard because he had to, because there's so much discrimination against him. No, there is, it's at, at the academic level, I mean, New York fought tooth and nail, uh, I, I believe it was the state of New York, uh, fought tooth and nail, not uh, allowing uh, Asians to be, ex uh, uh, be considered a minority uh, when uh, when applying to these public school, not public schools, the private schools or charter schools in New York, and uh, and I know some colleges, I believe Yale and stuff uh, like that, they didn't qualify for affirmative action, so they considered those Asians white. They considered them yes. white, so they're not part of the uh, not part the, of the oppressors. Are the oppressors yeah, the, now? <laughs> even though they make up <laughs> even a smaller minority than yep. uh, the black Americans. <laughs> Right. I don't call them African Americans. They're not from Africa. They're from. They're here in America. They're Black Americans. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hate even using Black American. They're just Americans. But that's where we are. You know, we we yeah. As you mentioned, the divisions that they uh, continue to uh, bring up. We got to interject uh, color into just about everything. Uh, but it, it's funny, real quick, what you said about the Supreme Court nominee. I was upset with John, uh, with uh, Trump saying that he was going to replace RGB with a woman. I was like, dude, this right now oh, would be yes. a perfect time to put a man in there. <laughs> I was just I was resentful about the fact that you, you're basically deciding right let's just take the Trump example which is milder yeah. but he's deciding beforehand that a guy doesn't have the right on the basis of his own merits like he's just like sort of less human yeah has, has less worth and I think we should all find a kind of find that you know repugnant that a certain person, like as, let's just say there's a guy who's most qualified and it's very clear that he has and he's worked harder than everyone else and we still have to say, well, actually, you were born this way, you know, as mm -hmm. a male and therefore you don't have value or at least don't have as much value and we have to choose someone else. Like, like, I think that we ought to find that kind of despicable and, and then nowadays it's just we're comfortable with that if it's if it's the oppressive class, you know. Yeah, and that upsets me. I mean, my wife is, you know, she's white for all intents and purposes. She's white. She's a white woman. Uh, and and I find it uh, disturbing because, you know, my children are, are, are of mixed descent. You know, they, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm Mexican, 100% Mexican. So my kids are half white, half, uh, half Mexican. And, and I don't like the anti-white sentiment that we see in society today because they're talking about my kid's mom. You know, they're talking about their mom, uh, that she isn't worth uh 
uh, anything. She knows she has privilege and stuff like that. And which we know, you know, my, my kids know that isn't true. You know, we know we've had to fight for everything. We've been, uh, nothing's been handed to us. Yeah. Uh, heck, I mean, we were even, uh, when we were real young, I mean, we were like real out down on our luck and we tried to apply for some assistance, state assistance, because we needed the assistance. Um, and we were denied because they said I made too much money. I made, I think at the time I was making like $8 an hour, eight twenty-five an hour mm-hmm. at my job. And my wife was part-time somewhere making, you're like, oh, you make too much money. And I'm like, dude, I said, that dude just pulled up in a Mercedes. Right. <laughs> you just gave him a check. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and from that point forward, I knew the system was uh, obviously rigged for uh, one way. And I wasn't, we weren't going to be able to qualify it for it. And so we never used the system again from that point forward. I mean, like, well, well, heck, like, we're on our own. So we're going to have to, you know, uh, really, you know, uh, work even harder to try to get what we earn. And, you know, and our children have seen that, you know, um, growing up, you know, how hard we've had to, you know, the struggles we've been, you know, some weeks where we couldn't even, we hardly had enough money to, you know, put gas or or, or provide food. And, and they remember all those things. And so when they hear that anti-weak sentiment, it's like they're talking about their mom who has struggled through all of these things and nothing's been handed to us and, and we continue to uh, move forward. And it's just it's just wrong because how many people I mean, the white white Americans still are the majority in this country. So you're you're casting this entire anti-white sentiment onto the populace and, and making people here feel guilty for for being something they can't even control. First of all, right. You can't right. control being white. You're born the way you're born with the skin color that you have. I mean, there's not much you can change outside that uh, unless you're Michael Jackson, where you just go bleach your uh, uh, skin. But uh, but you shouldn't you shouldn't have to feel ashamed because of a certain skin color that you are in. And I never thought, I thought for sure I would face more racism uh, uh, for my skin color, but unfortunately my wife would probably face more racism than I will. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is crazy. To the people in the chat who are asking about donations, this uh, this entire channel has been demonetized. So you cannot leave super chats for that reason. It was demonetized after a, a video I did defending Cal Rittenhouse. Um, and that was before even the the trial was complete. I defended him back then, and that was, you know, I, I, as far as YouTube was concerned, I was promoting violence by promoting self-defense. So that that's the case there. I do it. I, there are donations that are available, um, or accepted, I should say, that are linked to in the description. I do appreciate that, but nothing's coming on screen today. It's just me and Frank. So we're all good. All right. Uh, I, I think that we're sort of moving in, in the direction of a post-truth world, because what I mean by that is that we can't speak freely. We can't speak about, say, what makes a man a man, what makes a woman a woman. Increasingly, as we just talked about, you look at things like the way that we're approaching people of different races, and there's so much that you can't say. People are being forced in the area of compelled speech, especially in regards to the trans uh, topic, right? It, it, when there you, you have these different, especially in like colleges, academia, people are being required to use the false pronouns. You know, the preferred pronouns is what, is what we're talking about, but you know, um, right. they're false. You're, you're supposed to look at a guy and say, and call him she, and refer him to him as some like super feminine name, um, and pretend that that's all real. And I feel like we're all being asked to sort of participate in a collective delusion, or, or rather a collective lie. And I think that sort of bespokes the sort of like Orwellian direction of our society from here. I think that's it's a really big warning that some people are missing. Yeah, it's super dangerous, uh, the road that we are currently on, because we've we've decided to replace truth 
for things like my truth, which, you know, could vary from place to place. So therefore is not truth. It's, it's, it can shift. It can change. Uh, truth is supposed to be something that never changes. It's, it's, it's always constant, a constant in our life. That's what truth is. But when you start utilizing things like my truth, or you start utilizing these other things that, you know, definitions have no meaning anymore because, you can say that you're a man today, or I can identify as a woman today, you know, because we are on Women's Month. Uh, Susan, are you listening to me, Susan? <laughs> I am a woman. I need to have my videos pushed higher. <laughs> I remember the but, survey. Did you get the survey, Frank? The one that was like, like, what do you identify as so we can promote you better? I got I got that survey um, months, probably like six months ago. It was like, and first they asked me like my race, and they were upfront about it too. Yeah. We're going to put you in different categories and promote you on the basis of that. And I thought really hard about it, you know, because I'm like, what if I just started showing up in the trans section? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows? You're not allowed to ask. No, so, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I saw those surveys. I didn't participate in any of them. I just clicked and dismiss, dismiss. Because yeah. they would probably uh, kick me off the channel if I was too honest with them on it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a bad idea to do those things. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Oh, well, it was a bad idea. I mean, I reached out to them one time. Uh, you know, we have a little community help. Well, not everybody. I mean, I think you Yeah, you you in the partner program, yeah. Yeah. You have a little thing where you can ask uh, YouTube uh, a community for help or whatever. And after I asked them, I was like, take it off YouTube. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll never use that thing again. Cause uh, I, our friend drone tech had said when he got his hundred, uh, his hundred thousand, he got the plaque and stuff. And he said, Hey Frank, you should uh, reach out to them. I said, nah, nah. Last time I did that, they uh, kicked me off the, the hunt platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's better pretending not to exist. I'm like, yeah, yeah just, just, I'm not here. Just, just look away. Yeah, exactly. The same way. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right with that. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's difficult with that, taking place right now in Florida, you know, we, we passed the bill, uh, as the, as the, uh, leftists and the media has decided to run a disinformation campaign on the don't say gay bill, which is not that it's a parental right bill, uh, that gives the shifts, the, uh, rights of their children back to the parents, uh, in, in discussions of sexuality and things like that. And I can't believe how many people were outraged. And I was over on Twitter. I said, man, this really revealed how many groomers and pedos are out there on uh, on, on, on the Internet space that people are there clamoring to talk uh, to little kids about sex. Yes. Uh, so it, it is a dangerous thing. And I'm glad that, you know, there is a little pushback. You know, Ron, I think that it should have gone further, Bill, but it's something uh, it definitely in the right direction, especially the way that people reacted to it. I, I definitely know it's in the right direction. Um, but. There, there is only one truth, Sarah, and and for, um, for especially for us, for Christians that walk in His faith, we know God's word is the truth. So if it doesn't match up with God's word, then it, it's not, it's not right. Yeah, uh, completely. And one thing that I found interesting, and this is a point that very few people are making, is that I think that it's wrong even to the person who's requesting that you engage. Like if you've got a, a trans person who's requesting that you that you do this, that you use the false pronouns. Obviously, it's easier to just comply, right? I mean, yeah. just unquestionably, it's always easier to do what the other person wants. Because it's zero confrontation. Right, exactly. But the question is, is it actually, like, better for them? And for me, I keep thinking about it, and it's like, well, you're, you're denying a person who's in the middle of, a deni of an identity crisis. He's already denying himself. He's denying his intrinsic worth, his intrinsic value, his intrinsic dignity. And you're like, you're there as a person who's not an identity crisis. And you're like, yep, I'll deny you too. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the way that I see it. And I'm like, we're, we're moralizing this as a society and pretending like it's that we're doing them a favor, that we're doing something good and noble. It's like, we're not. We're just doing the most cowardly thing because it feels good. Yeah, I, I would never be hateful toward anybody that, you know, was going through something like that, you know, even in person. Um, you know, the best thing we can do to them for them, um, at least from, you know, my perspective is, of course, introduce them to the word of God through the gospel um, and, and, and introduce them that way and let the spirit, you know, let the whole spirit uh, work in their and work in their heart. Because, you know, if I come at them with, you know, what you're doing is wrong, it's going to push them away. It's not, it's, you're not going to win that argument. You're not going to argue somebody out of their delusion. Right. Right. Um, if anything, you might close them off for good where you can't even reach them anymore. But uh, at the same time, you have to be able to still say, hey, you know, uh, we, we talked about this this morning and yesterday morning. We talked about, you know, we have to approach these people with love. We can love that person, but you don't have to love what they're in. But you have to present the word of God to them. you got to present the gospel and the gospel will work the uh, rest away because you can't deal you can't deal with somebody's sin who isn't a Christian, right? Because they're in sin, well, because they're lost. And and they're not going to come to the Lord if they're if you're saying they're just batting them away, bull, uh, bulging them away. You have to uh, bring them in through the word of Christ and then allow the uh, word of Christ to uh, move their heart and move them out uh, because, you know, it, well, it's, it's uh, imperative. I will, I, I, go ahead. I will say that one thing <laughs> I, I found interesting and kind of appalling is that increasingly we're saying that those who let's say they have these feelings right they have gender dysphoria and they mm-hmm. don't want to have those feelings they, they think that it's wrong or they think that it's bothersome and so on and right. at that point it's becoming harder and harder for uh, experts for, for real psychologists who are decent to actually come in and help them like in canada it's become banned right it, it's illegal to actually help people who are adults fully capable of making their own decisions not, not that that matters anymore, you know, because with kids, we're like already mutilating them. Um, but in any case, um, and despite that, there's increasingly in California, you know, anti-so-called conversion therapy laws that are coming mm-hmm. up and saying, you know, actually, an, an expert in this field isn't allowed to do this. And honestly, I think that one of the, the main reasons is because it undermines this entire sort of leftist and also anti-Christian argument, which is, well, they're born that way. And the thing is, if you have anybody... And we're talking, of course, here, there's, there's the trans people and you have the homosexual people. But if you have anybody, single one, who comes around and says and, and goes through some kind of, of therapy and no longer has those feelings, then it undermines the entire argument that's presented that is they're born this way. And it only takes one. And in fact, we, we, of course, we, we do have people like that who have actually um, been through therapy to recover from different traumas in their childhood and so on. And it's like with those people, they represent such an immense threat to the modern left. And that's why there's an effort against conversion therapy, because the left doesn't care about these, these people who are victims. Obviously, mm-hmm. else they want them to get help wherever they, wherever they can find it, find peace yeah. wherever they can find it, right? That you would think, but instead there's an active effort to prevent them from becoming more healthy, becoming well-adjusted. Yeah, no, um, it, it goes right back to, you know, I, I posted this, I believe, over on Twitter, or maybe it was on Facebook, I don't remember. I'm on so many different platforms sometimes, I can't I remember it. where I post certain things. But I said, you know, uh, you're perfectly made in God's image. God doesn't make mistakes. He's sovereign over all, right? If he's either sovereign over all or he's sovereign over nothing. He can't be, you know, not sovereign over here and only sovereign over here. He's sovereign over all. So if he's making, creating you in your in his image, 
he created you as a woman, Sarah, and he created you in that. You, you, so therefore, there was no mistake. You know how people say, I, I said this the other day, people say, oh, I, I, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body. No, no, you're not. No, because right. God created you in his image. He didn't make a mistake in you. You're beautiful. You're, you're beautifully made uh, by him. And, and, to, and to try to say that, you're essentially calling God a liar then. Um, and, 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 and it totally undermines everything, like you said, when, when you finally have somebody come around and say, whoa, you know, there's plenty of stories of people that have gone through those gender reassignments that just absolutely hate themselves afterwards because, yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff you can't reverse once you do it. And, and they wish they, somebody was there to tell them it was no. wrong or, mm -hmm. or help them through it. Instead, they were encouraged all the way along through to mutilate their bodies. And it's so sad. I, I feel so bad for so many of these people that are continually to be lied to by so many people and yep. and in places that allow it. I mean, even I believe the state of Oregon or Washington, somebody have checked me on it, Washington, Oregon, where the government says, the state government says that kids can go, undergo these surgeries without their parental permission and still have their insurance charged it's to the parents if these uh, kids. And I believe one was a, a case of California. No. A case here of actual Florida, I think, which sparred this entire bill, where uh, a, a child was uh, being being groomed to be a a girl. You know, he said yeah. I was a girl, and they and they, and they were uh, uh, coax, uh, coaching him along, and and every time he would go home, he would change back into his boy stuff or whatever. And then his uh, parents found out about, it, and they were irate at the school that this was going on behind their backs right. without them knowing about it. Uh, so. These teachers, I call them mostly groomers at this point now because they're more yeah. interested in mm -hmm. the sex and uh, to our kids and, and trying to get them chop off body parts rather than actually teaching them. And we have a situation here now where we're in a conflict with government-ran schools and where they're trying to confuse children and just absolutely just mess with their minds at the most vulnerable time and growing up. Right. And what Sorry, I find interesting. <laughs> no, no, it, it was great. And I, I will say, I find something interesting. And it's like, so you've got these people who are saying, well, you know, my, my mind is a different sex to my body. And it's like, well, okay, even if you accept that premise, then at what point did we decide that it was the body that was to be fixed and not the mind? I, why? On what basis did we did we come to that grand conclusion? Because it's like, mm -hmm. and, and not only do we have to fix the body, but any attempt to fix the mind is bigotry. You know, it has to be, you have to start sawing stuff off in order for us to to accept that as, as a decent thing. But we have had some victories in, in some of these cases, right? So like the Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds, who's a Republican, uh, she just signed into law the, uh, on, yeah, it was on March 3rd, so it was last Thursday, it was HR 2416, which only allows participation in sports based upon biological sex listed on the athlete's birth certificate, uh, that kind of thing. Lawmakers in the South Carolina House revived legislation to bar transgender uh, girls from uh, participating in public high school girls. So in other words, to ban boys from participating in girls' sports, right? Yeah, and that was they the, got a lot less fan, a lot less fanfare because I, DeSantis they like to focus on him so much, and I didn't even know about those two things. <laughs> right, yeah, and that was the the Save Women's Sports Act, as they're calling it appropriately. Mm -hmm. So, so my point is here that this is like spreading, and and I think that's progress. It's like we're talking in the very beginning about the the need to 
um, to locally fix things and fix, fix things at, at a state level. It's like, this isn't the sort of thing that we could possibly get past at the national level. And I, I hate yeah. to say that because 20 years ago, everyone would have been like, well, of course, like, that's the whole point of our, of our different sports, right? Why would we have girls' sports and, and guys' sports and then mix them together at random based upon which guys want to go in? Um, mm-hmm. but, but now uh, we are having some progress on the state-by-state level. And I think one of the big things is not just that people show up to vote, but perhaps more importantly, that parents spoke up and didn't just speak up and say, you know, we're going to vote at the next election. But they literally went to these schools. Right. Mm-hmm. And they literally gave these 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 school boards hell. And by doing so, they made major press, especially in the local areas. Right. Uh, they made major press in these local areas. And so the politicians and the political class saw that and they saw the energy. And it's like for so long, we've associated this kind of activism with the left. Yes. Like uh, people, people are conservative. They just sit down and do nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's there are people who I think politicians who are always afraid of triggering the left, but are never afraid of getting a, a reaction from the right because they're just so used to the people on the right not doing anything. And suddenly, on this particular issue, we've had people speaking out. Yeah, and and for their efforts, they were labeled terrorists by the Biden administration, um, and and for just simply standing up and speaking truth to their their uh, to the school boards and these uh, local politicians, where they local politicians were writing letters to the DOJ to have these parents looked at and put under surveillance, and yes. and they felt under threat. So I mean, I think even some uh, some people in the mainstream media, people like on over on MSNBC, fantasized about uh, parents being drone striked. I mean, that's what I mean. That's that was an actual yes. story. Yes. And, and it was just flippantly just, you know, that's, you know, I we, we could talk all day about the mainstream media and how the American public's uh, attention span is but of a gnat uh, because we'll forget about everything that's happened to us. And it uh, over the last course, of the last couple of years to the shared trauma so many people had. Uh, I don't know whether or not they're going to continue to remember that come come October, November. We've got um, Ukraine and, to talk about. Yeah, we'll have Ukraine. <laughs> but there was a funny meme. That uh, that I that I shared that I saw over on Twitter, it was uh, you know, it was the uh, two guys. It was the uh, guy with the beard and the uh, the soy jack uh, guy. He said, "So actually, it was it had a futuristic uh, background." It said, "Actually, the party switch. Uh, it was Republicans who wanted people masked up and uh, force vaxxed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and uh, did you? I think you are aware, actually. It was uh, Pete Buttigieg's. Um, I'm really hesitant to call him a husband. You know, know. his his, his, his sexual partner, partner I guess. Yeah. You know, um, wh- whose name is Chasen, which I, I was like, I see chased at first, and I'm like, I'm so confused. Anyway, his name <laughs> is Chase him. Chasen Buttigieg, <laughs> who um, went to a gay camp recently and then led children in a a pledge to the rainbow flag. I'm not going to show the video because we won't be able to get the sound going with the kind of complex setup that we have right now. But you can see these. This is just like a screenshot that I'm going to go ahead and show. And you can see this uh, gay guy with his kids behind him. And he's leading this different pledge to the rainbow flag. It's not a joke. He actually did this. And it's like we're at a point where we are looking at these... I realize he's not a political figure, but he's certainly the the partner of one. And -hmm. people now think this is okay. I'm I'm not comfortable with a gay camp, frankly, for kids that were that young. Uh, It's atrocious. And it's like, I don't know how we look at this and not see grooming. And then, you know, you hear about the whole don't say gay bill, right? It's over there in your neck of the woods in Florida, which is a bill, the parental rights in education bill is what's actually called, right? It doesn't actually have the word gay in it anywhere. But 
the fact that they are opposed to that, to which was what preventing homosexual and trans education in schools for those pre-kindergarten to grade three. Yep. And it's like uh, for the internationals who are watching this, we're talking grade three, so we're talking like less than nine years old. That's what we're talking about. Really young kids being exposed to that kind of crap, and then they're like, "Well, why are you associating LGBT with grooming and and sex?" It's like, "Well, you are." You know, yeah. <laughs> you why, do you, why, why are you so upset? You can't talk to kids about sex that right. are that young. <laughs> That's exactly. what groomers want to do. <laughs> yeah, but we're not grooming kids and we're like, okay, well, great. We're just going to pass a bill that says you can't talk about sex with kids younger than nine. And they're like, no, yeah. no, you can't do that. We need them when they're six. <laughs> yeah. so, so that tells me you were talking to them about sex and stuff yes. like that. So, you know, uh, I, I was going hard on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is where my fight was uh, the, this whole week was with. Uh, You've been uh, banned from there get... before. What's that? You've been banned from there before. It's coming again. I have, I have been banned there from before. Uh, and for calling uh, uh, Mary Trump a name. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, we uh, it wasn't even a bad name. Anyway, uh, we uh, I, I've been going hard after all these uh, these people and and some of these people that are just you know I, there's this one YouTuber I'm not going to say his name but there's this one YouTuber that keeps sharing the article and article and he's like oh look at these Republicans they're so uh, uh, they're so sensitive about the gay issue they're they're not groomers and, and stuff like that so I keep you know every time he posts up that I, I, he hasn't responded to me in any comments yet but uh, <laughs> I said. So are you comfortable? Are you advocating for talking to small children about sex? Is that your position? And he refuses to answer because the only other answer would be yes, I I, I am opposed or no. Yeah. Yes, I'm opposed to us not being able to talk to kids about sex. Uh, and that doesn't look good. And right. Jesse Kelly said best. You have to call these people out. They've labeled us uh, white supremacists. They label us terrorists. They label. It's time to throw the labels on them and put them on defense. You know, groomers, pedos, make them question, make them defend the issue. They want to talk to kids about sex. Right. And what I found was really odd, Frank, is that some of these leftists are like, um, they're saying that uh, homosexuality and talking to them about that is not sex related. It's like, it's literally sexual attraction. That's the mm -hmm. topic. And you're talking to kids, again, younger than nine, probably younger than eight, um, about their sexual attractions. They don't have sexual attractions. They don't know what sex is if you haven't gotten to them yet, you know? <laughs> and they're trying really hard. And it's like the fact that they're so outraged over this. I mean, this is like a big national issue right now. It's like it's just one bill in Florida, but it's made national attention. The White House has spoken about it because they so badly want to encourage this kind of grooming in schools. And... When people like you and I and, and Rob Nor and stuff have talked about uh, the sex education and how it's going throughout the country, we've been labeled at different points as just, you know, making stuff up that in fact they weren't, you know, talking about having sex education in the schools for kids this young. And we were instead, we were uh, aggrandizing the issue. And now we've got this one bill and suddenly they're defending it. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> what happened there? Because I thought we were just exaggerating. But no, we're, we're not exaggerating and weren't. Throughout the entire United States, you've had very young children being exposed to trans propaganda. You had little kids being told, well, are you really sure that you're a boy? Don't you feel like a girl on the inside? And I think that's horrific because it's like, yeah, at that age, you're so confused as it is. I mean, you take so many different girls who are like tomboys, and I speak from experience, you know. Grew up with five brothers. They were my heroes. I, I climbed trees with them. I wrestled with them. And some, you know, uh, teacher came up to me and said, are you sure you're not a boy on the inside? I'm sure I said yes. 
And yeah. but then what? Hormone therapy? I mean, it, it's yeah. it's horrendous to think about. And that's how easy it is to manipulate a child who doesn't understand such things. And yeah. any attempt to intervene in that is uh, apparently we're the bad guys. Yeah, it's time for us to speak up for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we've seen some of those cases. Like, uh, you know, there's plenty of cases in Canada I know where they've uh, where people have had their kids taken away. Uh, here in the United States, I think uh, a father in Texas was struggling with that same thing, where his uh, he was trying to stop his son from being transitioned to a uh, to a female. Uh, because his wife was absolutely crazy mm -hmm. and wanting to push that transition. And he basically had no say-so, even though he is a parental uh, uh, figure in, in that child's life and should have a say-so in a major uh, decision like that. Uh, but, you know, kudos to the governor of Florida, um, because the left-wing activists obviously pressured Disney to speak out on it. So Disney finally said something about it. Uh, that they need, uh, they were disappointed in the governor, and the governor actually said he was going to back. There was zero chance of him backing down on signing this uh, on this bill and saying that uh, Disney probably needs to look internally because there's been plenty of uh, people in Disney who has been charged with sex crimes uh, during yep. the entire thing's run, and also they certainly have no problem taking money from the CCP uh, with all of their human rights violations. So maybe Disney should stay in their lane on this one and, uh, and not be so uh, eager to talk to kids about sex between uh, seven and eight, or maybe they shouldn't even be talking about it at all because it doesn't only impact uh, uh, classrooms, Sarah, it impacts uh, places employment as well as, as teaching anything that teaches any type of teaching material it impacts those industries as well. So it's a bill all across, not just intended for schools, but also businesses as well. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I do. It seems like Florida is really moving in some positive directions on this stuff. And it's good to, to have some kind of leadership. And I think DeSantis is one of the main reasons for that. Do you think he'll run for president and do you want him to? No, I, I don't want him to. I, I would love him. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have him as president. But Florida is such a critical state and we don't have anybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have anybody right now that is as bold as DeSantis and that could lead the state uh, uh, during this administration, because we still have to have uh, uh, two more years under this current regime that we're under. And he's up for reelection this this year. So I don't want him to lose focus on on continually to keep uh, Floridians uh, safe away from some of the overreach of the federal government, because uh, DeSantis has taken a pretty hard stand on states. Right. And he has pushed back. Uh, tremendously on the federal level, uh, saying no, Florida isn't going to do that, or Florida's not doing that, or Florida's not going to participate in that, and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, he's probably one of the most vocal government governors who gets yes. a lot of spotlight. I don't know if there's other ones out there that are as bold as he is, uh, but he doesn't shy away from the confrontations. And I think he's a more polished. Uh, I, I like, obviously, I like a lot of stuff that Trump brought to the table, but I think he's a more polished uh, speaker when it comes when he breaks down. Uh, when he has his interactions with the media, he does it in a uh, in a fashion that's a little more surgical than what Trump uh, would do. Trump kind of goes in with a big old club where uh, DeSantis comes in very surgically and gets right to the root of it. Well, DeSantis, for me, DeSantis's main sort of benefit over Trump is the fact that he doesn't surround himself with so many bad advisors and then listen to them over his own judgment, which is something that mm. Trump did when he was actually in office. Like, Trump was great in, in 2016 when he was for election. He was great in the election year. What he said, I think, resonated with a lot of people. And then he got in office and he started sort of losing himself to the swamp um, yeah. and surrounding himself with a lot of really bad advisors. I, I think that's fair to say.
yeah, there is, was a lot. There was a lot of bad stuff that was happening uh, behind the scenes. I, you know, I, I'm sure you probably covered it. I've covered it numerous times. I know Rob has uh, about you know just the uh, amount of people that were out for Trump right as he came in, and then Trump forcing being forced to uh, let go of some of those advisors, those loyalists to Trump who would have protected Trump, insulated Trump a little bit better. Uh, and then he ended up being surrounded by some of the handpicked individuals of the swamp where we saw the continuing leaking and continuing backstabbing that was happening in the White House, which was unfortunate uh, because I was uh, I was real disappointed in some of those issues, uh, some of those areas that he was struggling in. Uh, but if, if done all over again, I, I would still take him over over Biden, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, I take most people over Biden, um, even the Republicans. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, so many of the Republicans um, are just well, they just lie. You know, it's like when I look to the Democrats, at least I sort of know where they stand. I mean, they stand on a really bad foundation, but I at least know where they stand. And when you look at the Republicans and it's like, I know that they're not going to be where, where they say they are when they get I, I, elected. I, I listened to one of my uh, one of my friends. He does streaming. Uh, a lot of our uh, viewers might know who he is, Stephen Ingramus. And he talks about how our enemy is the Democrats, but our real enemy is the actual Republican Party itself because of how many people you know, get elected. And we talked about it early in the stream where they'll just sit there and they'll backstab you. In any case, I want to get to Ukraine because I know that it's a topic where a lot of different um, people want to hear what we have to say on that. And I got, I got asked beforehand. So in any case, um, I think that it's a bit of a distraction uh, from the COVID failures, from the what's going on here in the U.S., things like the the trans issue, the Supreme Court audio, sorry, the Supreme Court issue with the election. There are so many different things going on here. And I feel like our oligarchs are saying, no, look at at Ukraine and look at Russia. And that's the only thing that's going on and and stay away. What about you? Uh, I I agree to the distraction part of it, but I think it's also a little bit more nefarious than just, you know, a distraction, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we we saw what happened with COVID, how it absolutely devastate the economy we're still not even recovered from that still because we closed so many states down we closed so many we should have never closed anything down right mm-hmm. um and then everything that happened and, and we saw the impacts of that the inflation because of all the spending that we did and that you know the spending was happening under trump as well toward the end there and then it just picked up with the uh, democrats once they got full control as well and and we saw the inflation go through and and energy being the other side, you know, what are, what are some of the things that Democrats wanted to really focus on was climate change, right? Yeah. Um, and Barack Obama wanted gas prices back in his administration to reach $10, making it unaffordable for the middle class and for us to give up our cars, give up our uh, ability to be able to utilize our um, our vehicles and maybe transition onto more public transportation or onto electric vehicles. Yeah, uh, which he, benefit, he talked a yeah. lot about about bikes and electric vehicles and offered tax breaks with your tax money for those things, mm-hmm. you know, because they weren't affordable otherwise. But, you know, here's your tax money back at you and you should consider it a deal. Um, yeah, I yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I believe it's a way to crash our energy sector, just mm-hmm. like they've crashed our economy. Um, right. And, and this, I think, all goes. I know it's, a uh, uh, you know, there's people out there. Oh, uh uh, conspiracy theory with the Great Reset. No, but it all lines up with the Great Reset. I mean, if you look at, they're very open about it, about how they want to do this. And it, it, it's all kind of going the way they want it to go. And we see what happened to Russia already, right? Yep. Um, that's why it's hard. I'm hard to get on to Russia about what's happening because of how the world has reacted toward Russia, basically isolating them. 
Yep. Um, and and always, and if they can do that to Russia, obviously they can do that to you as an individual as well, right, Sarah? Well, absolutely. And when you look around at the sort of cancelling that you see in regard to Russia and, and just the individual Russian citizens, it's not even like the Russian government specifically, right? We're talking about Visa and MasterCard pulling out on the regular citizens of Russia. Like we're deciding that on the basis of their nationality, they're less than people. Uh, and then it's like for, for the for the modern left who are so focused on treating people, you know, better supposedly and cracking down on racism because that's the modern fight supposedly, right? And now we're like, oh, this, this national nationality of people on the basis of where they were born, on the basis of, of their ethnicity, you might say, we should discriminate against, cut off, leave them to starve. We should cut them out of all the different sports. We should basically isolate them in every way. And I found myself frustrated by those people who know that we were lied, we were lied to. Right, by the mainstream media and the government. They know that we were lied to about COVID, we were lied to about Iran and Iraq and Syria and Afghanistan, all this. And then they're like, well, except for right now in Ukraine and Russia, now we're cheering on the MSNBC anchors who have everything right. Like, uh, for me, it's like I, I struggle to know what's going on over there because there are so few sources of reliable information. I think we should kind of step back and be like, well, you know, let's see what we actually see instead of just applauding what the mainstream media tells us to applaud. Yeah, it's okay to be neutral in this in this uh, uh, this entire interaction that's currently happening. It's okay to take a step back and want to know more about it, but unfortunately, we're only being given one side of it now because it's it's taboo now to talk about uh, any Russian perspective of it and yep. what uh, led up to it because this conflict's been going on longer than what we've been seeing. This thing has gone on for decades and decades, ever since the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, there has been things that have been going back and forth within that region, even probably goes back uh, centuries. Uh, not just, you know, this is something that's more than just what's going on now. Uh, and what I find very disturbing about it is that, you know, as, as you mentioned, nobody is allowed to ask the questions. And then the people that are leading our nation are absolutely clueless about what policies are going to impact things like, for example, there was a classic interaction with a Congress, a Republican Congresswoman from the state of Florida, Southern, uh, or like District 27, I believe. Um, and and she was calling for a no-fly zone. And the reporter asked her, it was one of our independent media reporters out there asking real questions, right. said, you know what a no-fly zone is? And she's like, no, but we need to. <laughs> she, and the reporter's like, you know that a no-fly zone is required for us to shoot down Russian planes out of air, which would create a situation that would cause the United States to be entered into a hot war with Russia. Whatever it takes, she said, to, to protect the uh, Ukrainian people. I wish they were that bold about our southern border, Sarah. Whatever it took to protect the American people from the southern border. How about that? Yeah, uh, wouldn't that be amazing? Get, can we get no fly zone across the uh, southern border? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but apparently, our nation isn't so worth defending. And you've got all these different people who like laid down their rights when they were being stripped under COVID. Now they're like ready to fight for freedom in Ukraine. And I'm just kind of get this, this, this kind of disconnect here. And I'm like, do you know what freedom is? And, and look around. Did you fight for your kids um, when their freedom was being taken away? No. But, you know, and when it comes to Russian, uh, the word getting out, right? You were saying that we've got some kind of like disparity in media. We're only getting one side of the story. Well, we're not even letting Russia today onto like programs like Facebook and um, even Telegram banned RT, right? And then this kind of thing, yeah. and it's like that—that's wild. We can't—we're not only allowed to make our own judgments because it's not really them being banned; it's us being banned from seeing what they had to say. Yeah, 
and 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 it, it take it one step further. I mean, even uh, Facebook and Instagram today had announced that it's okay to call for violence. They're temporarily suspending uh, calls for violence against groups of people, but it's okay now to for right now you can call for violence against Russians yes. on Facebook and Instagram. So you can call for whatever anything you can think of about violence. You can call for that on Facebook and not be banned. Yes, but just uh, change, just replace the word Russian with black Jewish. Or any other thing, and you will be banned off that platform forever. Right, exactly. And and yet now it's it's okay because now we're being told by the media and by our political establishment that Russians aren't people. They're less than people, and they've been kind of dehumanized to such a degree. And at the same time, silence so that we can't get any sort of uh, version of what's going on over there from their side, which kind of aids in the dehumanization because we have no interaction. We can't hear what's actually going on, and and it's like. The, the the whole biolabs thing that we've got going on in Ukraine and everyone's kind of shocked about that but it's like actually the US has these biolabs all over the place and it's this story yeah. that isn't really out there because we keep hearing about it like a couple of years ago we were like well there's this biolab over there in in this place called Wuhan and it's mm -hmm. called the Wuhan Institute of Virology and we're funding it and it's a WHO lab and we think there might be a virus that might have escaped. And if so, it wouldn't be the first time because there was this SARS virus that they were playing with there too. And by the way, one of the people behind it is this guy named Anthony Fauci. You know, yeah. Yeah. And so, so all of that was the case. And, you know, if you look at even here in the United States, if you look at the Plum Island research facility you've got some of the same stuff it's like we signed these treaties about bio warfare and how we weren't going to engage in that because that stuff is bad but we're just going to experiment in these different labs and it's not bio warfare it's just it's, it's medicine it's medicine yeah like, yeah yeah they, they said it wasn't uh bio it was bio defense i think they said yeah uh, just like the Department of uh, Defense used to be called the Department of War. So, I mean, <laughs> just word game, Sarah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not exactly sure what the difference is here, but, you know, it's just like political maneuvering. But and, and It's ahead. interesting because it was just a, a week ago, um, I, I made a video because Salty Cracker was uh, suspended off YouTube because he made a video questioning about the uh, uh, labs in, in Ukraine. He was asking questions. He's like, you know... Uh, I've seen some of this stuff. There might be some labs over there that, you know, the uh, America, the United States is worried about falling into Russian hands. And he was, bam, he was yeeted for a week. And then uh, four or five days later, here we have the <laughs> undersecretary uh, coming in front of uh, the Senate and saying, yeah, we're worried about uh, Russia getting their hands on our uh, bio labs in, in <laughs> Ukraine. I'm like, anybody? Anybody? Exactly. <laughs> yes, it's finally been revealed. All right, well, I think we should probably wrap up that. I think it's been an amazing show. I'm so glad that we finally had you on, and I'm sorry it's been like several years uh, that I've been doing this, and we've, we've had panels together, and I've been on your show, but I'm, I'm glad, and this should not be the last time. So once again, your channel is Let's Be Frank, and you also have Uniquely Us, is that correct? Yes. And what, what handle do you use on the different social media platforms? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter as Russian Czar Na. that's Russian Czar N A. H, <laughs> it's there to uh, trigger uh, people over on Twitter. Um, and then you can find me on Let's Be Frank on Let's Be Frank 24 over on Gab. And those are the only two. My Facebook's my personal Facebook page, so I'm not going to give that one out. Uh, but outside of that, those are the two places you can find me outside. And then over on Odyssey, of course, it's Let's Be Frank. Um, you can find me there on Odyssey as well. I'm not on BitChute while I am. But I don't post anything over there. And Rumble, I'm still kind of iffy about. So I haven't really posted over on Rumble. 
either um, as well. So predominantly, you will find me over on Odyssey. Everything I produce on YouTube is mirrored over to Odyssey. And um, uh, because I know eventually that's where I'm going to probably end up permanently at some point in the future. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, Frank, for being here. I really do appreciate it. And it's been a great show. So we'll have to do it again. Yeah, no, absolutely, Sarah. Thank you again for uh, allowing me to uh, be over here on your platform. Sorry if I monopolize some of the conversation. I, I get uh, on a roll and sometimes I forget to let other people speak too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. I loved it. And we'll do it again. All right. Good night, guys. And thank you for joining me and Frank. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider helping to support it. You can give a one-time donation or buy a branded mug at thecrusadergal.com. Or you can donate monthly by searching for my name, Sarah Correa, at Subscribestar. Thank you so much. I couldn't do this without your support. And whether you can help financially or not, don't forget to tell your friends. Big tech isn't going to help me spread the word. Thank you.